This episode of the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast is brought to you by Tudor Collegiate Strategies. For nearly two decades, athletic departments and coaches have relied on Dan Tudor and his team to create winning recruiting plans, tell effective stories to their prospects, and help get the commitments from the recruits they really want. Bring us in to lead a live recruiting workshop on your campus this year, or talk to us about working one-on-one with you as a client. Visit dantutor.com after the show for all the ways we've been helping to build winning programs and successful college coaching careers. And now it's time for the show. That's right. It's time for today's episode of the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast with your host, North Carolina undercover barbecue taste tester and America's recruiting guru, Dan Tudor. Hey coach, this is going to be an interesting one today. Welcome to the show. I'm Dan Tudor and we are going to be talking about something that we hear a lot about and get asked a lot about when we're working with coaches and we work with a lot of coaching staffs around the country. We get to be on a lot of campuses, helping them with their recruiting messaging and trying to get and helping them get those top prospects when it's a one-on-one battle against another school. We love that part of our work. In a, As part of that, when we get to know coaching staffs and they begin to kind of trust our advice, the thing that we start getting asked a lot of the time is, hey, I have kids on my team that are struggling with their mental health, with the stress of being a student athlete, the psychological aspects, the demands that are put on them. How do I handle that? And the secondary question is, um, as I'm recruiting an athlete, I, as a coach, really want to make sure I'm recruiting the, the right kind of athlete for me and for our program and that maybe doesn't have some of the uh, the traits that I would not want to handle as a coach, just personality-wise and their approach. Are they going to be committed? And this really goes all into what's inside the student-athlete's mind and what are they dealing with and struggling with? And then as coaches, how do you handle that? Well, full disclosure, I don't have that kind of background to, to answer that effectively. We can track things like outcomes and scenarios and, and figure out some, some general things to look for, but we wanted to find an expert who really, this was the passion of their, their life, their work, and we found one. Lauren Ammon, who is going to be our guest today, was a uh, very, very good Division One swimmer and then turned that career into, uh, after she graduated, a career in human resources, uh, dealing with people one-on-one in a corporate setting. Um, And as she explains in the conversation, that just wasn't doing it. There was something missing. And so she decided to put the two two lives, so to speak, that she has lived as a student athlete at a high level in college and then that work with people and managing them and helping them through uh, situations. And she has begun work with student athletes, coaches, schools to help them recognize uh, what this generation has to deal with and what they go through and some of the signs that you need to look for. And then also, how do you find the right personality fit? How do you make sure you're coaching the right student athlete for you as a coach and the right fit for your program? And all those things now are becoming her specialty. And it's a fascinating conversation. I think you're going to learn a lot. And the, the way that we started this out was we wanted to find out from Lauren how she got started with all of this, some of her background and then it, it, it gets deep from there. So enjoy this conversation, Coach. And again, we just started off with, Lauren, how did you get started? 
Um, so this story actually goes back to when I was five years old and I don't remember this part of the story, but this is what my mom tells me. Um, I was five years old. My older sisters were swimming, were swimmers. And she tells me that during every swim meet, I was a pest in terms of, I wanted food. I needed energy to get out. And so she literally threw me into a swimming pool. And so that's where my entire story truly starts. Uh, 17 years later, I graduated from Eastern Michigan University as a team captain, uh, a state champion, a high school state championship champion in the state of Kentucky, a top three in the MAC or Mid-American Conference, if you guys know where Eastern Michigan uh, is, and went off into the professional world. I spent about 15 years in HR, found that wasn't my place, not where I really fit in. Uh, having, ex having exposure to executive coaches, I thought, well, that seems like a fun profession. And so I was very intrigued. I went and got my coaching certification over a year program and started my company in January of 2020, really focused on leadership development and career transition. Had a lot of success in that space, but still felt something about this just is off. I'm having fun, but not as fun as I think I can. <laughs> and it was one of those random moments where I was talking to a good friend of mine, a business mentor, and I happened to say to him, I wonder what it would be like to work with former athletes. Just the, the demographic, I love being around athletes. They're my people, right? I spent nearly 20 years in that space. So I, I, right. I get energy, I get jazzed, I loved it. And a week later, the 2020 Olympics, as we all know, which is a year behind schedule started, and it was the night that Simone Biles removed herself from competition. It was the same night that Katie Ledecky won the 1500 meter freestyle, but had a disappointing swim. She was about 20 seconds off of her world record. And I don't know, maybe five, 10 minutes later, Michael Phelps was talking to Mike Tirico and they were talking about the mental health side of sport. And Michael Phelps said, competing at this level is really overwhelming. We just want someone to talk to. We just want someone who listens who allows us to be vulnerable and doesn't want to fix us. And I always tell people this, Dan, I started crying because I thought to myself, oh my gosh, here's the most prolific Olympian of my lifetime telling the world we would love support on the mental side of the game. And I, I, I did a complete 180 in my company and then started working with athletes to train their minds like they train their bodies. And so you have an interesting perspective, I think, uh, even though you're still under the first few years of your work in understanding the psyche and where the mindset is with the student athletes at the high school level, many of which are getting recruited or want to be recruited by coaches and they'll become a part of college programs. And the reason I wanted to talk to you was a lot of college coaches that we work with and talk to and are around are really trying to figure out and crack the code to what what these athletes are all about in a big in a big sense, but really um, on the mental health side, how can they support them, and what do they look for ahead of time as they're getting to know them, as they're recruiting them before they bring them into their program, to understand where they're at, so that they, the coach, knows exactly what they're getting into with that athlete. Um, and so, and that's again a, a big topic to dive into. So let's just, you know, I guess bite it off one piece at a time. Can you give sort of an opening statement as to where this generation of athlete, 
differs mentally, psychologically from, let's say, you 20 years ago when you were um, a developing high-level swimmer and, and involved in the same thing that they were at, which is, I want to go to college, I want to swim, and uh, that whole mindset. So can you do a comparison of, of just what you've noticed? Yeah. I think at the foundational level, I'm going to say things are somewhat the same. And by that, I mean, you know, athletes have a full class load. They have a full athletic load. They're trying to maintain social dynamics. So not only social dynamics of those who are their athletic friends, but social dynamics of those who are their non-athletic friends, Uh, you know, navigating the relationships, you know, um, kind of interpersonal relationships, friends, dating, stuff like that. Um, you know, balancing the family. So when I say foundational, that's what I mean, where I think there is a significant difference is that navigating the social is much different for current athletes because of the internet, social media, and just the exposure to nearly everything. Mm -hmm. You know, when I think about, um, I'm a huge football fan. I live in Cincinnati, Ohio, right? If you told me 20 years ago, I had the opportunity to DM the starting quarterback of the Cincinnati Bengals. I would have told you you're crazy. Granted, he won't respond, Mm -hmm. but the opportunity is there, right? And you now see into their lives much more so than you did prior to the invention of social media, right? I think what also I've noticed and have talked about with current athlete, current student athletes in high school is COVID. The, right. the, the, the last two recruiting classes have been, as I described, they've been completely messed up classes it, from a decision-making, psychological, their experience, a lot of disappointment and bad decisions of what schools they're going to go to because their process was altered. So yeah, last two years were nuts. Yeah, I think those are the two biggest differences. And, you know, one of the things that when, you know, I, when I, when COVID started and I put myself back in a student athlete's shoes, I even said to my husband, I said, if someone told me I couldn't be in a pool for, (laughs) you know, two days, let alone month, weeks, months on end, I would have had a really tough mental time because swimming was my world. I loved, I loved, swimming. I loved being a student athlete. There was, it was, it was part of my identity. Heck still, it's still part of my identity. Mm-hmm. And what I didn't carry over though, and, and this is something that's come up as I started working with high school athletes is all of those intermediate, um, occurrences, right? Like riding with your team to an event, right in the bus or, or on a van, those things got taken away from them right. or, you know, just the small personal interactions that someone in my generation completely took for granted because they were just part of the equation. You never guessed that they weren't going to be there. Um, and, and so I'm starting to see that compounding too. And as from a college coach standpoint of how to really build in those small touch moments that mean a whole heck of a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And I asked about the differences and you said that there were many things that were the same. This whole, this whole study or focus on athlete mental health and where their mindset is and, and how to use some of those, those traits to enhance performance and to help them deal with it. 
are those things that have always been there? We just decided now to pay attention to them or um, you know, I guess, or have we just discovered a very old problem that was all, always there and we just now are learning how to, how to deal with it? Yeah. And, and mm. the reason I say that is, you know, I, I look back on my career, I like to think I had a very successful career, mm -hmm. um, but I distinctly remember forcibly retiring. I say that, you know, having graduated from college and knew I wasn't going to go to the Olympics or anything like that. Right. Um, I knew I could have given more and, and not physically. That was one thing I always prided myself on. I would give you 159%, mm -hmm. but mentally I, I, I just knew I wasn't maximizing my mindset. I just didn't know how, right. You know, it, and this is no disparage on any coach up to this point. I loved every single coach I had, but you know, right. a lot of the time the message was you're fine. It's fine. Yeah. You know, get over it. You're good. Yeah. In, in, in most instances, yes. But what happens is when we don't address that stress that comes from a disappointing performance or a, a crappy situation with a teammate or even a, a, a crappy situation with a coach, right? Right. You know, as an athlete, we're really overdeveloped and bouncing back, get, picking ourselves up and moving forward, oftentimes not dealing with the lingering head trash. And as that head trash compounds one instance over another, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And I think too, just based on the evolution of society, that was exacerbated by social media. Right. right. And like everyone have an opinion on everything and everyone can see into your life, partially because we've let them, but partially, and then they can just comment on anything. Right. And so it, right. I, I think it's always been there. I think it's now worse. Yeah. So there's two areas that I think you could really help coaches with, uh, and that is evaluating and understanding the mental side of, of the athlete they're recruiting from, from high school, because it's a really, formative age and a lot of pressure and they're bouncing all over the place emotionally and, and in trying to make these huge life decisions, like where to go play athletics and swim and, and go to school and those types of things. Um, and then also I think they're finding that then when these kids come into their programs, they are tasked as a coach with having to sort of be the mental counselor that they may not feel qualified or, you know, be qualified to be, and yet they don't have the support, you know, if they don't, they're a smaller or medium sized school and they don't have, um, and even some smaller D ones that don't have a staff of team psychologists available to, to, um, uh, to help their athletes. They're, the, the coach is going to be the one that sort of gets that athlete coming to them. So let's start with the high school athletes that, that primarily you're working with right now. Uh, what can you give us like the top two or three things that are either on their mind or that are um, areas where you feel like they struggle, even if they're a good athlete, that they, they struggle with coping um, with their situation. I'm just sort of wondering, like, what are the what are the headlines that that coaches at the college level should look for and understand, like what's really going through the minds of the kids that I'm recruiting? Yeah. You, you hit the nail on the head. Number one is coping skills. Okay. And that has they been, they don't have them. Correct. They're, okay. they're not as developed. 
okay. I, I don't, I never want to say no one has them. They're just not as developed. Right. And, you know, I, I say that from a, a, an experience in what I do and working with athletes. And I've always said, I'm, I struggle to know where that started or where that stemmed from. Like what, how has there been kind of a, dare I say, de-evolution mm-hmm. of coping skills? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure the source. I say that from working with athletes. I also say right. that as a parent, right? I, I, I look at my children all the time and my husband and I talk about this of like, how is this happening? Right. Because, you know, we take a look at our parenting style and, you know, we're, we're trying to teach them how to bounce back and how to take responsibility and accountability and something just it's like, <laughs> like a brick. I hate to say a brick wall, but there's something right. Yeah. So coping skills. And some of that, I think also had to do with COVID, right? I hate to go back to that, but you know, I had my son ask me, well, mom, what did you do when a pandemic happened when you were nine years old? And I said, well, sweetheart, <laughs> we never had this. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Um, so first and foremost, coping skills. So from a coaching standpoint, and it's totally understandable that coaches, you know, whether it's their, they feel to be the mental health resource for their athletes, right? Right. right. Because that relationship between an athlete and the coach is very special. I mean, you know, if you, I know I swam for nearly 20 years and I, I think I had like 40 some odd coaches between the three teams I was a part of and all this stuff. Right. And that's a really special relationship. And so it's understandable to feel that, oh, I want to be there for them, or sometimes I have to be there for them. But looking at it from a coping skill, one thing that I, you know, and we haven't necessarily touched on this, but my work with athletes has naturally evolved into working with coaches as well of really just starting to ask questions. And I know that seems really simple and really elementary, but asking questions to truly understand or or to gain a better understanding of where the athletes are coming from, right? Because if they lack coping skills, sometimes the greatest door opener is just getting them to talk, right? right. Getting them to open up. Okay, so coping and communication, and what would be one or two more sort of things that you see this generation dealing with that a coach should be aware of? I think they're under a lot more pressure than we ever were. Mm. Um, I'm working with a school district now, and what I constantly hear from the coaches and the athletic directors is that in this particular school district, um, there's really, really high expectations Mm. of these athletes are taking four AP classes. They're in four sports, despite the fact there's three seasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they're constantly, you know, trying to keep up with the social circles. And what I've been, what I've learned and started observing is that some of that is driven by the parents. They don't want to let up. There's this, how do we stand out? How do we get you to, you know, be noticed among the colleges so that, you know, th- that, that process is a little easy, quote unquote, easier right. for you. Um, those are coping communication and, and the pressure that whether these athletes are, are putting on themselves and probably a little bit, mm-hmm. um, but where they're feeling it from the outside as well. 
Um, and of course, we're not talking about every single athlete. Nothing is universal. No. So is this a minority of athletes? Is this 50-50? Is it the majority? Like where uh, your sense, and I realize you don't have a touch point with every athlete in the school districts and teams that you work with, but what, what is your sense of the percentage of kids that are dealing with some of the things you just mentioned, Lauren? I'd say 60, 40, 60 that it's happening, 40 mm -hmm. not as intensely. Okay. Even during your season, it's the perfect time for preseason. What's preseason? It's the new source for coaches, athletic directors, and campus leaders who want the most advanced approach to social media, marketing, and telling the story to their prospects and recruits. Led by former college coach and marketing expert Jason Schmidt, Preseason offers colleges and programs cost-effective, next-generation marketing plans that are proven to work. Preseason is the name to remember when you're looking to tell your story more effectively on social media, your print publications, and on campus. Go to HelloPreseason.com to learn more. That's HelloPreseason.com. NCRC is back. The 2022 National Collegiate Recruiting Conference is relaunching their big summer gathering of coaches, athletic directors, and experts from college athletics. And it's all happening in beautiful Chapel Hill, North Carolina this summer, July 18th through the 20th. Will you be there, coach? It's the only source for in-person idea sharing, networking, and planning for your upcoming recruiting year. Plus, it'll feature expert speakers and coaches who will give you ideas and strategies you can't get anywhere else. To find out more about this summer's premier recruiting event, go to dantutor.com conferences. Register now to save your seat, and we'll see you there, coach. Liking what you hear on the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast? Then you're going to love our special training and information site, Honey Badger Recruiting. It's where Dan Tudor and his team of experts answer recruiting questions, publish the latest trends and research, and give college coaches the next level training they need to connect with their prospects. Visit dantutor.com and click on the Honey Badger link to become a subscriber. And if you're already signed up, Make sure you're up to date with all the latest information the Tudor Collegiate Strategies team has for you today. Again, just go to dantutor.com and click the Honey Badger link. It's your secret weapon in the nonstop battle to win the best recruits. Heading into the most challenging recruiting year of their careers, what are more and more college coaches and athletic directors using to give them an edge? ARI Recruiting. It does more than all the other recruiting contact management apps and websites do with no lag time, no lost information, and plenty of next generation features that has it beating the competition day in and day out. Oh, did I mention it's probably a lot less than what you're using now? Go to ARIRecruiting.com now, get a demo, and find out why this is the recruiting tool you've been waiting for. Um, so let me ask another tough question that I could hear and I have heard college coaches talk about is they want to get to know the athletes in the recruiting process so that they don't necessarily uh, recruit the athlete that are having those worries, those problems, the mental side of, of life that a coach, they're good people, but then, hey, I'm a coach. I don't, I just don't have the, the skill sets to manage this and when I've tried before, it's sort of blown up in my face. And I mean, I can cite lots of examples of conversations we've had with coaches. Um, so I guess I'm going to ask you, what are the signs that, or what are some ways to find out not only what a, an athlete that you might be recruiting 
could be dealing with. And a lot of that is, of course, over the phone or FaceTime early in the conversation. What are the things to look for just so that then I, as a college coach, could make a decision to say, okay, I, I, I'm okay with helping him tackle, you know, tackle that and work through it with them. Or at least I know when they come to school, I'm going to have to be prepared for that or get some resources together to help them. Um, or I decide, you know, I'm just not, I, I just don't want that on my team and, and um, try to avoid it, which I don't know if you can ever avoid it, but you see where I'm going with that. Like what, what yeah. are the, what are some of the things that a coach should look for or probe or ask during the get to know you process with a prospect? Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to utilize my uh, HR background for this one too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. The, 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 Feel free. Yeah. Cause I know that it's a, it's, you know, it's a, it's an odd question and I, I really didn't know if I was going to ask it, but it's what coaches are wondering. And there's sort of a very practical side that if I'm a, a, a small college uh, tennis coach and I don't have an, a full-time assistant, I don't have a bunch of resources and yet I'm going to be handling the, the, the coaching responsibilities and relationship responsibilities for these, you know, for these, you know, select number of, of prospects and athletes that I get to coach. It's just something that they need to know. There is a practical side of, of the question. So, but, but that, that being said, uh, put your HR hat on and answer that the, the best that you can. Yeah. And my, my athlete HR hat, um, first and foremost, the question I loved opening with in an interview is tell mm -hmm. me about yourself, right? Because mm. where someone starts in that conversation will give you a lot of indication of, of their current mindset or, or the perspective from which they're coming. Um, if you hear, so this is going to vary by sport too, because right, every sport, <laughs> swimming, you know, you kind of want to hear a little bit more about I was going to say it more about the individual. Cause I mean, right. It's, it's an individual sport in a team mm -hmm. environment. Right? Um, right. So I was going to say a little bit more about I and some of the accomplishments, but with a, a healthy mix of we and how I support my teammates. Right. Cause again, in that kind of environment, if you've got really this big dominant persona, who's all about him or herself, and then the team, you know, it's a talk can be a toxic environment, especially, you know, in swimming, you know, sort of thing, Right. but also listening, you know, first and foremost about, um, personal responsibility and accountability, right? Cause I would venture to guess based on my own experience as an athlete and even in the corporate world, right. A coach wants to hear someone who has, they may not have full self-awareness again at 17 or 18 right. years old. And it's challenging, right. Um, even in forties, it's kind of hard, you know, sometimes too. Um, but someone who's, who, who presents themselves as, you know, here was my role. Here's what I saw. Here was my role in this situation. Um, and if you hear a lot of, well, my teammates did this, or my coach did that, or, you know, my parents versus a healthy mix of yeah. here's where I played a role in that, whether it moved forward or, or it didn't, right. It was a positive right. experience. You, you or want to hear them experience. give some ownership or some evidence yes. that they take responsibility for that. And, and yeah. I think what college coaches I'll say struggle with is that the kids in high school, especially, 
uh, have really been coached about how to go through this process. And so, you know, look, here's what to say to a coach, here's what to not say. And so the, it's this game of, of intrigue on both sides. If I'm the athlete, can I say everything right so the coach really wants me? If I'm the coach, can I ask the right question or figure out, you know, what's really behind the curtain uh, with that athlete? And so that's the, that's probably the, you know, the thing for coaches that is the, um, uh, you know, that that long sought after, you know, code that they can crack because that then gives them an idea, a better idea of who who the athlete is before they get to campus. Yeah, yeah, that genuine response, mm-hmm. right? Versus the transparency. The canned, yeah, but versus the canned response, right? I, in that respect, you know, I. Which is just like a job interview, really. Yeah. We're on our best performance, you know, when we were going for a job interview and talking to HR. Exactly, and I. I would venture to guess that most coaches at this, there's an intuition of each coach, yeah. right? And if, and if a coach feels, you know, if anybody in the audience feels that there is that canned response of continuing to ask a similar question, just in a different way, right. right? to see if you can get a little bit deeper, or there were times that I'll, I'll say this as an HR can or as an HR leader of you know, thank you so much for your response. I have to admit, it sounds a little rehearsed. Mm. Let's pull off a layer a little bit, right? right? Help me understand what what is really going on in your mind, right? A great question is, you know, what did you, you know, what were some of the biggest challenges you faced at your previous employer, right? Using it from a previous, right. a professional right. standpoint. I could usually tell when someone had a really, you know, not so great response about their previous employer, but they were trying to give the, well, I don't want to seem, you know, ungrateful <laughs> or whatever the case right. may be. And, and I would, I would kind of, um, lighten the mood to say, Hey, I've worked for some really terrible companies before too. And here are some things that were really challenging that I faced just to kind of loosen the room and help them understand, Hey, I'm yeah. a human too. I had a really bad experience. You're open to being transparent with me. And right. then we can move the, the situation forward. But I will say, I, I did pay attention to how they answered that question, right? Again, yeah. if there was, if it was more the company's fault versus me. Well, so I'll, uh, the little side comment that I'll, I'll give to the people listening to the coaches, especially if we've been to their school, done workshops or training or their clients, we talk about transparency. And it's amazing what happens when you as a coach kind of lay your cards out on the table and very transparent about how you're feeling and what you want out of it. And it might all be positive. Like, here's what we like about you and we really want you. And when you do that, um, that wall comes down a little bit. And to your point, they are able to kind of say, hey, coach, okay, so here's what I'm really wondering about you. And until you do that, they have their their wall up. So it's really important. I think your point really resonated with me that the coach really has to take the responsibility of showing transparency and, Hey, you're just like me when I was your age type of type of, uh, reaction and, um, and, and comment. Um, so that's, that's really good. Let me move on, Lauren, if I can to once, whether you know what you're getting into or not with a, as a coach, with a prospect coming into to campus and you have a class that, that you recruit, they're there on campus now. 
and you start to see some of the cracks that we all have, but you know, probably highlighted and emphasized when you're between 18 and 22 years old uh, in a high pressure college situation. Um, and now this coach is faced with, you know, them stepping into their office, the prospect or the, uh, the athlete stepping into the coach's office and saying, coach, man, I'm struggling. And here's what I'm struggling with. And, now this coach is taken off the coach hat and I was the travel agent a couple of minutes ago when I was sitting at the hotel room. Then I put my coach hat back on. Now I have to put my counselor hat on. Big picture. Let's start with this. What, what does a coach do? What, what is your advice to that coach? Um, aside from calling Lauren Ammon, of course, but what is the advice for that coach to, to start to help that athlete and to make sure it doesn't spin out of control and result in damage to the athlete's psyche and life, but also not to damage or take away from what the program's trying to achieve. Yeah. It's a great question. Um, first and foremost, to embrace that role. And, and the mm. reason they say that is coaches, particularly college coaches, wear, as you say, wear so many hats and it can be overwhelming. And no doubt. And I've, I've seen it in the coaches that I've had, and I've seen it with coaches that I've, I've since either talked to or connected with. And certainly now in my professional world of, oh gosh, this is, this can be overwhelming, right? It, it can be overwhelming to sit and listen to the struggles that someone else is having, but to give yourself some grace and to, you know, even in that moment to say, okay, I've got my counselor hat on. Mm -hmm. I'm completely present in this moment and I'm going to embrace this conversation. Yeah. You know, one thing that I talk a lot about um, coaches too, and we can get into this is, you know, you've heard the concept of servant leadership, yeah. right? Um, and, you know, when I work with coaches a lot is, is to really kind of think about what that actually means. I have a very unpopular opinion. I don't necessarily buy into how servant leadership is described in terms of taking care of your team first and then taking care of you. I think as an effective leader and as particularly as an effective coach, take care of yourself, right? you know, optimize your own mindset to then be able to, to sit in those conversations and fully embrace them. So first and foremost, one, to, prior to embracing, right? Take right. care of yourself. And we can talk right. more about that, right. but embrace the situation. And then two, as I mentioned, be fully present. And there was a study done by George Washington University. I can't remember how long ago, but it was, um, Surveying eight to 18 year old student athletes. So, people who are at the, you know, just coming into campus, right? right. And the first, you know, when they, they were surveyed, what are the top attributes that you want to see in your coach? First and foremost, number one was respect and encouragement. Mm. And so, in that moment, as a coach, to show the utmost respect by being fully present and listening, right? Because what an athlete truly wants is to be heard. Yeah. Right. And oftentimes the coach is, again, this is from my own personal experience is the outlet. And I, I grew up in a, in a, in a great environment. My parents were super supportive, but my parents weren't athletes. They didn't, they couldn't resonate or connect with me on that level. And so a lot of times it was connecting with a coach, particularly if I was struggling with my athletic performance of that, I was sitting across from someone who knew what I was going through, not only because he was putting me through it, um, but he knew me as a person. 
And so to be able to like the utmost respect of just listening to me and allowing me to vent, right? even if it was sometimes about him, right? <laughs> you know, in, in some of our troubles with that and just listening. Yeah. And so Lauren, you actually brought up something that was really good in that right at the end was the, the aspect that sometimes the kids on a team at a college team need to vent to the coach and tell them, Hey coach, I don't feel like you were fair here or that I think you're doing this and this wrong, or, you know, they want to have that say. And of course, a lot of coaches, well, I mean, all of us individually, we don't usually like to hear things that we're doing wrong or why people don't like us. So how does a coach, number one, open up that opportunity to do that? Like what is the framework that would work well with some of their current college team to give them the opportunity to do that? Um, and then how do they handle it and turn it into a good productive session that actually builds um, builds the relationship, but also strengthens the, the tie that they would have to that athlete and the program to the athlete? Well, it goes back to that, you know, taking care of yourself first, you know, a lot of the things that I work on specific with athletes and coaches actually mm -hmm. is the element of self-awareness. Um, so the reason you, you hit the nail on the head, like, you know, critical feedback isn't always the easiest thing to hear and to mm -hmm. absorb. Right. And oftentimes that the root of that is knowing what triggers us or what sets us off in a way, right. Or even our insecurities. So oftentimes what can happen is we don't want to hear critical feedback because we're afraid that someone's going to say the things that we we're already critical about right. ourselves. Right. And then when you kind of layer on top of that, that's when it's like, Oh God, I really am quote unquote failing in that space or people, other people are seeing it. Right. So that's what I work on a lot with coaches too, is to get yourself right and understand where are some of your even head trash spaces as, as we call them sometimes, where is it that you don't necessarily want to hear? And so what we work, I work with them to prep kind of what are those things and how then to, to move forward. But in that instance, if you haven't done that kind of work, is to truly be open, right? And to, and to 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 sit there and say, okay, I'm, I, I ask for the feedback or this feedback is given to me, right? As a coach, you kind of know that, especially at the 18 to 22 year old, they're starting to come into their own. They're going to be a little bit more vocal about what they want and don't want of recognizing that, hey, as part of my role, it, it's, it, I'll say it like in corporate, right? So think of it as managers, employees, employees are encouraged to give feedback to their leader in order to be able to perform as effectively as possible. And it's that same situation here. It's just a little different because again, in the sports world, you know, athletes really look up to their coaches. There is right. that level of, oh my gosh, this person is truly pouring into me in order for me to be the best I can. And, and I may have chosen the college and the program based on who the coach was largely. So there's that other emotional relationship layer. Yeah. And so in those moments of those difficult situations for coaches, what we talk about is be there and listen, right? One of the, one of the, I was going to say one of the worst things you can, I'll say one of the worst things you could do is to start to be defensive in that respect. Right. So I, so I was just going to ask, here's the coach sitting in his or her office and they've opened the door. Tell us what you really think. And the athlete jumps through that door and brings a baseball bat with them and is just, um, you know, saying, look, this isn't right. This isn't right. You need to do this. I don't like it when you did that. <laughs> so give the coach 
some strategy or you know, how do they take that in? Like, what is the right way to take that and not be defensive? Because boy, you're right. That is the first thing that we want to do in that situation is, is explain it away. And even if it's not true or true or not true, we just want to not have that apply to us. So as a coach is listening to that, and if they can take this cue and really do that with their team, what give them like a specific strategy as they're sitting there taking taking the the criticism what how do they handle that yeah well first and foremost if you're going to ask the question be prepared for whatever's going to come out of an athlete's mouth right (laughs) Right. fair enough (laughs) you know so if if you're genuine and wanting to know and if you feel the defensiveness coming up keep your mouth shut Hmm. right and if and if and if because so, sometimes there can be that compulsion of I want to respond, I want to respond, I want to respond, right? I want to defend myself. I want to say to the athlete why I did something the way I did. Write it down on a piece of paper. Mm. Like write your initial gut reaction, whatever came up into your mind, and you want to put out your mouth. Write it down on a piece of paper. Right? They'll think you're taking notes, which maybe right. you are. Great, but what that does is it gives the coach a moment to pause. Because oftentimes when we write something down and I encourage them to write exactly what they would, what have come out of their mouth. Because sometimes when you write it down and you look at it and you read it back to yourself, you can see and hear the defensiveness that might come with it and allow the athlete to continue the conversation. And once you've written it down and if they, if they use a word Right. If whatever, you know, to say, um, I was thinking of an example, right? Um, like the way you coach me is, I don't like the way you coach me. Right? right. The coach can then ask, well, what don't you like? Or what specifically is it that I'm not giving you? Right. right. So digging into what the athlete is saying too, so that you can gain a better understanding of where they're actually coming from versus putting your assumption of what they mean on it. Got it. Because they could say something and you take it a specific way based on your perspective, which makes total sense, but they could actually mean something totally different. And then you can now address it in a very, very specific, very effective manner versus that gut reaction that just comes right out of your mouth and you want to get defensive. And it's completely right. understandable you want to get defensive. You've right. built your skill set. Right. So two more final questions before we wrap up. Um, yeah. Coaching doing that, uh, and of course, we don't want it to get to the point of an explosion happening and a confrontation in a coach's office. And I think a, a lot of times there's just no communication. The coach doesn't really open up opportunities to do that. And the pressure builds and builds and builds. And then there is this, you know, this explosion. So what what type of systematic approach could a coach take to make sure that there are regular outlets for these conversations? And what is the appropriate, in your opinion, just knowing kids like you know them, what, what's, what should a coach do to make sure they are always in communication, they always have that opportunity to give feedback to the coach, and vice versa, that the coach can give feedback to them and open up that line of communication? Yeah. One thing that I work um a lot with coaches on too, is the concept of establishing your coaching philosophy, but getting very specific in what your Mm -hmm. coaching philosophy is. One exercise that I've used before that's been pretty effective is um, 
asking a coach to, to write down 10 things, the 10 things that are most important to them, right. In their life, their personal life, their professional life, it could be something like joy, competition, uh, compassion, connection, what you know, they can make a whole list of something. And then what I've asked them to do is take 24 to 48 hours to think about that, come back to that list and narrow it down to their top three to five. Right. And then to have them define what those five, three to five things mean to them. Right. Mm, And so going back to your question about how to kind of open up these doors of communication, what, what I've worked on before that's proven really effective is once you have that coaching philosophy and what it means to you, that now becomes the foundation of your conversations with your athletes, the filter through which you make all decisions, the, what the culture is built around. Mm -hmm. Right. And what I've encouraged a lot of coaches to do too is sit down and review that with all of your athletes. And, you know, I know some of these, these um, teams can be very big, but how impactful it is to have that one-on-one conversation at the start of the relationship with the athlete to say, Hey, here's where I'm coming from as a coach. Right. This is, this, this is my philosophy. I want to be open to yours, but understand where I'm coming from and how I'm going to approach everything is going to be through this filter. And what I've even done with them is to say, Hey, encourage your athletes to do the same. That way, you know, where they're coming from. Okay. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And the last thing I wanted to sort of have you talk on briefly is this whole idea of what you do with athletes is to have it relate back to better performance. So we're trying to get their, the mental side of their approach right so that it results in better performance, which I think is, you know, if a coach is asking, so what's in it for me, other than making sure the athletes I coach are mentally healthy and taking a good approach, that this can affect their mental, I'm sorry, their, their actual game performance. Um, can you give one or two examples that you've seen that happening with, and why is it such a big component with this generation that the two are married, you know, that I have to have a good mental approach in order to maximize athletically what I'm, what I'm being asked to do by my program. Yeah. Well, we're dealing with humans, right. And a lot of times I love, um, was it John O'Sullivan? I think from his book, if anybody's familiar with every moment matters where it says, you're not coaching a sport, you're coaching humans. Hmm. And, um, these athletes are humans and everything's interrelated. And when, you know, if you, I've gosh, any athlete, whether I'm working with them now, or whether it was when I was an athlete myself, ask nine, ask 10 of them, nine will say, we ask 10 of them what your best performance was. Nine of them will say, I don't know that I was thinking about anything. I don't know that I was really paying attention. I was just completely in the moment. Right. And so that's the, the foundation of, you know, working with athletes to clear their mind and to train their mind like they train their bodies. And a lot of times it's that concept of athletes get caught up in the win-loss record and understandably so. I mean, that's how value is given in the athletic world. And the idea that working more towards mastery and how you as a human are mastering yourself within the sport versus the wins and loss that I have on my, my record board. Right. And so helping them to understand that when your mind is calm and stress has been relieved or anxiety has been relieved, 
you actually have exponentially more energy and more focus to put in your performance. Because when all of your energy is in what's going through your mind, that's where everything is being filtered through. And there actually is a scientific connection between a tense mind and tense muscles. Hmm. Yeah. And that concept of being in flow or being in the zone, right? That's what most athletes will say. When I had my best performance, I was in the zone. I wasn't thinking about anything. I was just in the moment. And so that's where we work on specifically with athletes is to optimize that state of flow and to help them understand all these six things outside of themselves or within themselves really mm-hmm. are the influences of performance, your mental, your spiritual, or your soulful, as I call it, um, your heart, your body, your environment, and your physical physique. And so we work through all of those things to help them understand here are all the factors and here's how it's affecting your mental capacity right. and where your energy is going versus being focused on the performance. Such great information, great stuff from Lauren Ammon. You can go to her website, laurenammon.com. That last name is spelled A-M-M-O-N, laurenammon.com. Look her up. Uh, her just some great articles. She has uh, the work that she does with student athletes. And if you want to engage with her, uh, you're going to be the better for it. Uh, so contact her, find out what she can do, walk through some of the things that you're dealing with as a college coach, because I'll tell you what, this is becoming more and more of the role of a college coach, not only in who you recruit, certainly finding that right fit, but once they're there in your program, how do you help them get the right mental health resources? How do you get them, uh, to deal positively with the stresses of being a student athlete? How do you keep them in your program and keep progressing and building and learning by getting them over these uh, hurdles that they might uh, that they might be facing. So that's going to wrap up our conversation. We uh, thank you for listening. Definitely check out Lauren. We thank you for her for being on the program. And we'll talk to you again soon on the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast. The College Recruiting Weekly Podcast is a production of Tudor Collegiate Strategies. For more information on everything we provide college coaches, athletic directors, and the rest of your campus, visit dantutor.com. Thanks for listening, coach.